0: you're listening to the man of class podcast this is episode number two in the first season titled the male scapegoat this episode we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity and probably not in the way that you're used to we often find ourselves into either both ends of the spectrum either totally all in on masculinity or all in on femininity I'm here to tell you there's a whole lot of stuff that happens in the middle, and in that middle is going to unleash the best version of you, so stay tuned. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode. You were listening to the Man of Class podcast, as always. And today, I know there's been a lot of heat in the news. So I, I don't want to. I've been in so many different conversations where people are tending to just kind of glaze over the whole coronavirus and and COVID-19. And I want to make sure that I take a little bit of time to just talk about that uh, before we actually get into the episode, because this is a very big and trying time for our nation and for the whole world, frankly. This isn't just an American thing. This is literally hitting every country. It's just a matter of when and how. And right now, Italy's in the big brush of it, as well as it's spawning throughout the United States. And the biggest thing is to just have a plan, figure out what it is that's right for you and your family and just be safe, be safe, be happy, be healthy. Those are the big things that I keep telling every single person. If you've talked to me over the past couple of days, I've been telling that to everybody that I can can talk to is be happy, be healthy and be safe. Because this too will pass just like everything else in life. It's just a matter of how painful is it going to be for you? And pain is again, oftentimes coming from fear, uh, and sort of like a lack. And it's through not having a plan sometimes where our minds can go into the worst case of the worst case scenario and we find ourselves just with stomach acid building up and just anxiety and sweating and just so nervous because we don't know what's going to happen. And so that's why I've been trying to spread as much love and and care to just tell people, Hey, if, if, even if you want to reach out and just have a conversation, because this is difficult, this is hitting people, older generations don't even have the, I'll say experience because this hasn't, this hasn't really happened where something like this has been fleeting and has impact as quickly and as dramatically as what we've seen in today's world. And so, because it's very difficult for people, oftentimes we start to recluse and kind of draw back and just say, well, I've got to figure out this problem by myself. And that, it's funny because that actually ties into today's episode, but in doing that, you you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting those around you because you're becoming more irritable and you're going to lash out at them. <clears throat> and you don't mean to lash out at them by by no stretch, but but that's just what's going to happen is you're going to start to feel like you don't, you're limiting your options versus, you know, because you're coming from a place of contraction versus expansion. And in this time, especially more so than ever, the whole world is contracting right now. And that's understandable because of everything that's happening. But don't be overcontracted, contracted because that can lead to a lot of loneliness and a lot of sadness, depression. And so as we go through this, I want to open up the door to just make sure that if there's any way that I can help, that that I certainly will do so. Because, again, I see this as we're going to get through by helping each other get out of this and not like quarantining the whole quarantine piece of it is... Is is great because you're trying to flatten the curve of limiting the amount of suscept- susceptibility. It's a tough word, but you're also staying indoors. Cabin fever starts to happen, and so I think more so than ever is a way of actually figuring out ways of of making connections, even you know, remote connections, more Facetimes, more Facebook Lives, more just posting, you know, connecting, texting, whatever, calling, whatever that it is. To reach out in order to kind of help people go through these times because everyone's going to be coming from a different place. And it's only through that that everyone realizes that they can help somebody that may be in big need. So with that, if you have any questions, by all means, reach out um, either through Facebook or Instagram and I'll help any way that I can. Today's episode, I'm really stoked about today's episode. This is season one, episode two. This is all around toxic masculinity, i.e. the male scapegoat. Very interesting. And it's a very polarizing topic. I was hesitant at first, but it's one of those where wherever you have fear, oftentimes we find that's the place we need to lean into. And in this whole identity season where I, where I talk about a bunch of Different ways of identity. So like last episode, it was, it was all just around identity. Like, what is it? How how does it come about? You have an identity, whether you choose to believe so or not. That identity is giving you a set of lenses that you're looking through your whole life with. And it's only through being aware of what those are and maybe saying, mm, maybe I want to change some of that. Maybe I don't want to have that lens anymore. Maybe that lens served me at some point because it got me to where I am today, but it's not going to get me to where I want to go. That ties into male identity, because one of the biggest identities that happens for people is whether it's male identity or female, you know, female uh, identity, identifying with the gender. And that can have a big influence on what we do and who we are, as well as our interpretation of what does it mean to be a male and or female? Because if we say, well, I am a man, I am a man. And our perception of what it takes to be a man or what it means to be a man, that can have a very big outflow in all aspects of life. How you treat other people, how you show up, how well you lead people, um, how well you show up for your family. It could be just in general, in, in all facets of life, it's always going to show up, which is why I wanted to get into it today. And so I wanted to start, firstly, again, I always look at, at defining. What are the ways that we can define this? How do we bound this? How do we start to make sense of what of this stuff? First, we have to bound it. Then from there, we can dig into what each of those pieces mean. So when you look on Google or anywhere else, toxic masculinity often comes down into some type of a violence, a very limited scope of emotional range, more or less being a prick jerk, unfriendly to people. But the Good Man Project did a decent job of of explaining it. And they said toxic masculinity is a narrow and repressive description of manhood. Designating manhood as defined by violence, sex, status, and aggression. It is the cultural idea of manliness where strength is everything while emotions are a weakness. And it's very interesting to me. Maybe interesting to you as well. But it's very interesting to me how there's this bimodal or like two ends of the spectrum when we talk about masculinity and femininity. Where it's like you either are all in on one or all in on the other. There is no happy medium, there is no middle of the curve. And if we just look, for instance, throughout, because it's all like you're either, you know, you're either totally feminine or you're either totally masculine, but you, but there's a, there's a whole C in the, in the middle. And it's very interesting because if you look out at nature, regardless of wherever it is, you will find balance. You will find homeostasis. That's what, you know, go into physics, go into science, go whatever, homeostasis, or what that means is basically at a resting place. It finds its happy medium. And that's so true in all aspects of life. Every every single thing that happens in the universe finds some type of a homeostasis, finds some type of a balance. And oftentimes when things are not at balance, there's an overcorrection. Think of just even with with the market. We were, you know, things were growing, 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 then all of a sudden it was a market correction. And we see that over and over and over again. The market's go down, then all of a sudden for some period it starts to grow again, and over time it kind of oscillates between the highs and the lows and kind of keeps passing. And in when we're in that middle whether going up or going down, oftentimes it feels in general sort of Like things are stable. When things are growing too fast, then it becomes that fear of we're going to burn out, like running a motor at redline. Or when things are, are declining, then all of a sudden it's like, well, when's the end going to be the end? And so we don't really honor the middle. We don't honor what could be for us. And we don't really necessarily look at the opportunity cost of being all in on one piece of it. We don't look at just being masculine of like all, you know, all in and and, and just living from a place of masculine energy all the time. We don't look at the opportunity cost of what we are missing out on. What aspects of life are we missing out on that we're not actually capturing by just only living in that masculine version? So what do I mean by let's let's really get into it. Male. It's very interesting. I was reading a medical journal, and what they talked about was male and female brains look identical, which again tells me that the brain is a tool, and that tool can serve so many different things. So, if let's just say, for illustrative purposes, the you know masculine is a hammer and a shovel is. Uh, feminism, you know, femininity. Well, you can't dig a hole with a hammer. You can, but it's going to be very efficient. But likewise, you can't really drive a nail into a board with a shovel. You can, it's just not very efficient. There's better ways of doing it. And So using those different types of tools, that balance of those two hormones that are in both of us, both women and men, can give us more efficiency in life. And that's really what I want to get to is you're limiting yourself by if you're only viewing and say like, oh, but I'm a man, I am a brute, I am a, you know, I need to be aggressive, I need to be this, I need to be this. Those can all be true, but there's also things that you are doing that are limiting yourself in some ways and where and all that comes from. And it was very Interesting to me when, again, when we look at it and we just say, you can take a brain out of a, a, a woman, you can take a brain out of a man and look at them and they're the same exact thing, which again tells me we're not really that far different. It's just the expression of humans. It's the expression of whether you're a man or a woman and what does that really mean to you? So that's like saying you have, um, trying to think of two Ferraris, two identical Ferraris, And all of a sudden, you're going to say, oh, but that Ferrari is going to be so much faster than the other one. Well, they're the same car. But the driver, which is you, is going to determine whether you're going to drive the course very slowly or whether you're going to zoom through it like a a race car driver. You are the pilot of this machine, the human body, and they're the same. You know, obviously, people are going to say, "Well, Eric, that's not true," because obviously, there's male parts, there's female parts, and they're and they're very different. That's also true. But for some of the very key functioning pieces, i.e., like the brain and the heart, a lot of these things are the same composition. There's slightly tweaks in other body parts, but for the thinking part of it, when you think of your identity as you show up and how, as you are talking to people. Your thought process, the thoughts, and it turns into the beliefs and turns into the habits and turns to all that stuff, for the most part, is very similar. Then that tells me that there's a lot more potential that can be grabbed when you look at it instead of just a very binary men versus women type approach to men and women having masculine energy and having feminine energy. When is the right balance to? dial more into feminine energy and when is it time to dial more into masculine energy because having both at your fingertips opens you up to so much more and what do i mean by that there was a study done it was a bb a bbc special say that 10 times fast and what it was talking about was boys and girls they start out early because early is where they're starting to form what this identity is. And once you get so far down the road, then it turns into, you know, what is it that you're going to, what is it that you associate with? And you've kind of have already framed what that is. Again, 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day, 90% of them are the same as before. You're very solidified in your thought process. But they were talking about traits of like boys and men, you know, being very strong, being very brave. And for girls, it was very warm and caring and gentle. And what's interesting is many times they never even had the conversation. They never even had somebody that said, this is what it takes to be a man or this was what it takes to be a woman. Because sometimes, you know, kids growing up, sometimes they have great parents. Sometimes they have very unfortunate. Sometimes they don't even have a male figure in their life or sometimes they don't have a female figure in their life. Sometimes they grow up without parents and it's foster or extended family that they grow up with. So what they were asking these, these kids were where, where was it that they learned? And what they found is that society does such a, you know, there's so much messaging pushed through the media constantly in everything, in the colors that people use to express, you know, in just anything, the phrases that we say in society, the, the billboards the marketing the everything the tv shows the movies the ev- there's so much stuff constantly flowing in that it's interesting that people that haven't you know the boys that haven't even had a conversation of what it takes to be a, a boy or a man are pulling the same stuff that has been identified so long ago of just that binary i have to be strong i have to be brave you know i i you know there's no emotions And it's very interesting because there was also another interview where it looked at boys as they progressed up through early teenagers. And before they were teenagers, they had so much love. They're like, oh, you know, I love my friend, you know, whether it was a boy or girl or whatever. And it was just like pure just love. Like there was no sexual piece of this. It was just pure like, oh, like I love my I love my best friend. You know, I love telling them everything. I love going out, you know, we, we're playing, you know, we tell each other everything. There's just so much of that friendship and love and, and caring and compassion. Then all of a sudden you fast forward through the teenage years and then all of a sudden terms like, um, you know, no homo comes in or, you know, very distancing and very, oh, I have to be a man. I have to be, you know, I have to deal with my own emotions. I have to deal with all this stuff. And... It's a very slippery slope. And so there's this natural, there's this progression that I see holistically. If you kind of were to look at an entire chart and you were to say on the very left-hand side is, you know, child, it, it, a young boy. And on the very right is sort of end of life. Boys go through, they have so much love and passion and, and caring and, and their imagination runs free and they're just, they're limitless. Then they go through and then they get told they have to become a man. They're trying to figure out what that means. So it's basically like telling a boy, hey, just you just deal with your own stuff. Okay. Just just go do that. And it's like telling a kid to focus. (laughs) Just go focus. And you're like, what does that even mean? How do you focus? How do you go through all that stuff? Just just deal with it. Okay. That's what we're telling these boys. They don't really know what to go do. Half the time, even men, you go talk to a 20 or 30-year-old, half the time they're still struggling on what that takes to be a man. What is it, you know, what does a true man really be? What? How do they really want to show up? And oftentimes, they don't even know. Again, it goes back to that last episode. Oftentimes, we have identities that we don't even know where they came from. We don't even know how we're, show, we're showing up, but we don't know why we're showing up that way. So we tell boys that they need a man up, They need to go do all this stuff. Then they try to be a man. Then what ends up happening is they become extremely lonely. Because instead of connecting and having those friends and having, you know, that area of compassion and caring and using both masculine and feminine energy all into one, now all of a sudden they become very isolated because they're turning themselves off, saying like, I'm literally cutting off, if I looked at all the emotions on the spectrum, I'm cutting off half that, that spectrum, half to probably three quarters of that spectrum and only using a quarter of that spectrum for emotions. Well, now all of a sudden, if I feel sad, Sadness just turns to anger because I can't feel sad. I have to be a rock. So now I'm telling myself to stop feeling the way that I naturally am feeling. So I'm at odds with myself. I don't have integrity with myself because I want to feel the right thing of feeling sadness for, let's say, a loss in the family. And now I'm telling myself I need to just man up or just deal with it. And then that just turns to anger. Well, that anger just turns into aggression because, again, there's nowhere to really relieve that anger. So now all of a sudden, I'm taking that anger that I'm having inwardly, and now I'm expressing it outwardly. So now I'm being a prick to everybody around me. How well is that really treating people? Now people who you are treating, you know, let's keep me as an example. Now I'm treating people like a prick. I'm just going out there MFing everybody and just being a jerk. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be around me for that. So now what ends up happening? I isolate myself further. Now I tell myself the story that those people, you know, hate me for some reason and haters are going to hate and and I'm just going to double down because that's the only thing I know how to do. Then that leads into extreme loneliness because zero people want to engage with me now. Now all of a sudden I become even more lonely, sad, and depressed, but I can't feel those things. So then it turns into even more anger at myself. And that's what leads to the highest depression rate that we have in society today, as well as the suicide rates. There was a study done that showed this is, I'm going to talk about the male numbers, but the female numbers were were very close to this, which is very scary, by the way. 63% show mild depressive symptoms, which means basically showing one to four symptoms. 28% showed moderate levels of depression, and 9% of the the population that was tested, and it was a large sample size, were considered severe depressive, you know, severe levels of depression. You know, symptoms can be of depression, whether it's sadness, depression, loss of vitality, extreme tiredness, feeling pathetic, worthless, a lot of anger, because that rage comes from something, that fear that, you know, Anger is is it can be attributed back to fear, because it's a fear of not having something. Now I'm angry at the at not having that because I wish I would have had that or I feel like I should have had that. I should all over myself. Now all of a sudden I'm angry, and so a lot of the that's where I talk about on the Eli. A lot of level one, level two energies. They they just are like brother and sister. They're just constantly there. I feel. You know, I don't feel good enough. Now I'm angry at myself because I didn't feel good enough. Now I need to prove myself. Now I need to go out there and and do something even more. So I'm going to beat myself up over feeling sadness. And so what ends up happening is, again, you know, we just go through this whole spectrum of love to isolation to loneliness to toxicity to uh, depression. Depression and suicide. And or even worse, you know, suicide is awful. But there's so, many, there's so many people that I run into that they've rationalized their entire life of not living the way that they want to live, not being the person that they want to be, not being the friend that they know that they really could be, getting out of their own way. And that's really what a lot of this stuff is about, is getting out of your own way so that you can show up even better for the people, for yourself, to have your self-integrity, but also to show up better for everybody else. And so that then leads us to this very interesting thing of balancing the equation. Because what am I really talking about? If you were to take all of this down, it would be that you don't have to live from a place of total masculinity or a total place of femininity. There is a lot of spectrum to, to take place. And a lot of times when you're solely in that masculine space, oftentimes that can brute into a lot of over production of adrenaline um, and that adrenaline can have wearing factors on you and so it's interesting when i go through a lot of these different readings about toxic masculinity i always read the comment section because the comment section is so polarizing because you have people where they talk about toxic masculinity and they say well this is what we need to to go do and and um people in the comments are like this is stupid this is absurd here were some of them you know, but I want to achieve results and successful and be good. You know, hey if I'm not if I'm not masculine, then I'm not going after and I'm not successful. You're like, well, a that's a major judgment there. If you want to be successful, go for it. No one's telling you not to be successful. Go for it. Um, another one was you know ridding of the warrior males. You know, again, if you want to be a warrior, go be a warrior. You don't have to be a prick about it. Because again, a lot of the warriors, they were fighting for a cause. So what's your cause? What is it that you're really trying to go after? You know, there's a very interesting, there was a comedian that was, I can't, I can't remember the comedian now, but it was talking about, he started his skid off where he said, Don't ever show up to a party if you only had two wisdom teeth pulled, because you will just get slaughtered. Because everybody, you know, when you show up and, and they're, you know, wow, well, you know, you think you had a bad, I had four wisdom teeth pulled. And then somebody else comes in and they said, you think you had a bad, I had four wisdom teeth pulled and they were all impacted. And then th- there'll always be somebody that comes over and says, yeah, I've, I'm on my second set of pulled and I'm sure there's a third one growing. So now I'll have 12 teeth pulled. And, uh, and it's just so funny because there's this very like tit for tat, like competing, like, oh, you ha- you think you've got a bad end? And they're like, what is the end game? What is winning? To be the most distraught to go through the worst war? Like, what what, what really is winning there? And it's very interesting because when I talked to Amber about that, Amber was, Amber's my wife. And when I talked to her about it, I said, it's just so funny. I said, especially with the whole, you know, this whole thing around kidney stones for male pain of like what they go through versus childbirth. And she said, you know what's really interesting? She's like, it wasn't always that way. And I said, what do you mean? Tell me, tell me more. I'm, I'm intrigued now. And she said, well, women by nature are very, they're wired to be connectors. They want to connect, which is why when you talk to, a, you know, a lot of females, they'll be like, oh, no way. Like, yeah, me too. Like, that's how I feel. And they're very big on that connection piece. Which is why all of a sudden, inherently, a lot of times women can be, you know, over. I'm talking about like mass, like overall. Stigmas, but a lot of times people will be like, "Oh, I have no problem with, let's say, you know, a female watching my child because they just they're that connected piece. They feel connected. They feel trustworthy, right? That's that's where that being you know, once you feel connected, then there's that trust that comes with it. Men are very competitive, and so over time, right? There was always that that warrior who's going to be the best warrior, who's going to be the you know the winning, who's going to who's going to be dominant, who's going to be this, who's going to be that." And it's so interesting because when a group of guys gets together, oftentimes that's usually what, ha- what happens is somebody says, you know, I threw a ball this far. And like, oh, yeah, I can throw it even further. Or, you know, how much weight can you lift or, or how fast can you run or, or whatever? And there's always that competitive thing. And so there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's it's when all of a sudden you're saying like, well, you're stupid because you didn't do this. Right? Right that, that negative judgment. It's, it's fun. It can be fun to have competition, because competition can lead to greater things. But there's also a time when you are just not a prick about it, is really where all this is leading to, is if the testosterone and the male piece of this is competitiveness, and the woman piece, the femininity is the connecting piece. Know that you can have, you literally have both pieces of your puzzle that you can use at any given point. Let's go through some examples. Let's say that you want to train for the Ironman. You can do, you know, you can can train and work as hard as you can, but imagine how much further you can get if all of a sudden you use a little bit of connectedness of trying to connect with somebody else who's going through the training as a training partner. Now, all of a sudden, instead of competing to try to say, like, I'm going to crush you. Now you're saying, how can we help each other so that we can both win? I want to connect with you, right? I want to use some of that feminine energy. I want to connect with you so that we can train to become even better. Versus, I'm going to constantly keep beating myself up to be better than what you are. There's a place for both, but it's one both ends of the spectrum. Again, there's a massive middle to be had. And so, it's very interesting because again, if I go back to the the comment sheet, you know, but women prefer masculine male. Again, there's nothing wrong with being masculine. No one's saying not to be masculine. It's when it turns toxic. It's when it turns to just that's you know, strength is the only thing. No, it it know that you have you don't have you don't have to use your hammer for all aspects. You don't have to try to screw in a screw like a a a screw into a piece of wood with a hammer. You know, you don't have to use everything, shovel, you know, make a a hole in the ground with your hammer. There are more tools in your tool chest. And that's really what the man of class is all about is, is that recognition of you have so many more tools in your tool belt than you ever realized. You just have to become aware of them and to be able to actually use them. And so that's, that's that message for this is that the scapegoat piece of it is we're using toxic masculinity as a slippery slope of saying all masculinity. And now you have men that are afraid to go and actually show up because if they're a little aggressive in nature, all of a sudden people are like, oh, see, perfect case of a toxic masculinity. See over him? That's that's why he's, you know, X, Y, and Z. And there's a lot of judgment there. And frankly, you know, um, I can't remember where I was listening to this too, but they said there's toxic there's toxicity on both sides. We're just choosing to look at it only on the male side, but there's toxic females, there's toxic men, and there's toxic women. Like it's on both sides. Make no mistake. So the male, you know, the, the the masculine side of it is getting kicked because of this whole toxic masculinity. Oh, boys will be boys, and they'll just be aggressive. Well, there's a point of being aggressive, and then there's a point of being a prick, and it's stopping when it's. When it's not serving you, you know, the line in the sand, the demarcation of when, you know, that it's something that is serving you versus not is, is that the best approach? And there was um, a well-known actor that was talking about, and he said he was really big on um, toxic masculinity, and he said, you know, as a, as a guy, he's like, I just want to bulldoze my wife here. I want to dominate the situation. I want to just like, just crush right through it. And he's like, and the best thing that I ever learned, and I only learned it when I started getting, you know, when he was dating his his now wife and, you know, that, that relationship kind of grew. And he said, women think through their problems. They think through all of what's going on versus, just trying to bulldoze through it. And that—that that is that true piece, which is you have more tools in your tool chest than just bulldoze your way through it. Just, you know, put your, your head down and just ram through everything. You have more tools available to you. And oftentimes that's why women can outsmart men because they use their brains to think and go, is that really the best thing to, to use here? Because women, you know, make no mistake, women dial up testosterone. They dial up that masculine energy in order to bulldog through, to raise up as leaders, to be able to go do all this stuff. They do all that. They're showing us what's possible. Now it's just a matter of flipping the script to say, hey, have you thought about what's possible? Have you thought about maybe flipping and balancing the equation just like what women do? And it has nothing to do with saying, you know, but then I'm going to give up being a man or, or whatever else. Because again, it's all of what you associate with that identity. But just know that the tools that you have in your tool Chest, you have a lot more of them. That a lot more of them can take you to new heights, can take you to better relationships because you can connect with them. You can connect with them without having to dominate them all the time. You can help teach boys that it's okay that that you think through things, that you don't have to just deal with your own stuff, isolating them and just leading them down a path where they're just going to. Sit and sulk and stew on things and, and that stewing, <clears throat> that aggression, that level two energy is very catabolic and that catabolic again when I talk about it in the ELI is it actually is causing that anxiety and stress in the body and what that does is it kills your cells over time. And so killing the cells over time is leading to whether you you, you actually have a, an actual suicide or whether you're slowly cutting yourself, you're slowly killing yourself because you're just destroying and that, that poison is flowing through your veins. So again, I hope some of this stuff makes sense. I hope that it maybe provided a different aspect or a different uh, lens to look through this stuff as. But know that you have more capability than what you're probably doing right now and know that once you unlock that you can live to to greater lengths and start living that exceptional life so if this was helpful by all means take a screenshot uh tag me at at eric yusko on either instagram or facebook put it in the news feed let me know where you're listening to it from what things maybe resonated with you and again to tie off with the earlier offer is if you're going through this coronavirus and again, you're starting to think, how am I going to lead my family? How am I going to be, you know, be the man? How, how do I want to show up in this? How do I want to lead through this? How do I want to prepare for this? If you ever need to, to chat about stuff, you want to bounce some ideas off of. I've been prepping for the past week, uh, talking to many different guys who have been doing different prepping and have a lot of good ideas. So I'll probably be sharing some of those ideas as I go, just as to try to help, because I think the nobody in society has really been thinking about how to prepare, how to have a plan. And it's very hard to have a plan when the landscape seems to be changing on you. It's easy to have a plan. It's easy to do that plan when things aren't as crazy, but oftentimes when things aren't as crazy, we don't tend to go do them because why do them? Because things are great. So by all means, if you have any questions, you have any issues, you have any comments, questions, concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out. And until next time, stay great.